Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chris and Stevie Show. It is episode 18. I uh, can't believe we've, we've made it that far, but today it is a special episode. We've got X, Dundee, Rangers, Cardiff, Aberdeen, Scotland International. Yep. Gavin Ray's in the show, guys. Welcome, Gavin. Hello, Gavin. Welcome, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a long time. Yeah, uh, pleasure, mate. Pleasure. It's been a, it's been a few weeks or a few months actually since we first. Can I ask you, wasn't it? A number of weeks? Eight, six yeah, weeks, yeah. Weeks ago? yeah, you maybe you reached out a while ago and yeah, obviously happy to do it, yeah. We took our time, mate, it was just trying the money together for your fee, your ten grand. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Trent to pay that. So thanks again, mate. I was happy to Gavin, do it. you should have uh, honestly you should have seen what he was like the morning uh, when he when he when he when he found out you were gonna come on. It was uh, it was like Christmas morning, mate. I'm no joking. <laughs> He's like, guys, you'll not believe it. I, I, I've managed to get Gavin Ray on the show. It was uh, you've you've made his you've made all of the put it that way, mate. It's a it's a it's a major milestone. Can we call the, today Gavin Ray Day? Gavin Ray Day. Gavin Ray. Ray. I wear. No, how, how do you feel about that, Gavin? That's a bit strange, but I'll let you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I gave him two minutes. He's hanging up the phone. <laughs> two minutes. I know, max. probably. Um, I so um, you're in uh, Australia now, um, Gavin, over in Sydney. I am, yeah. Yeah, I've been in Sydney for eight years now. Um, basically, emigrated as soon as I retired from playing playing football. I sort of played my last game at Dundee in May 2014, and then we emigrated in September of 2014. But I've been coming back and forth to Australia since 2002. Uh, wife's Aussie. Oh. Oh, so okay. ah, there we go. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Gav, as as an uh, the only Australian in this studio, <laughs> what you know, and and look, obviously, I'm stuck with two fantastic mates that have got a very easy answer for why they moved to Perth. But obviously, you've got the the familial reason there. Was it just the wife, or you you love the place yourself? Yeah, I mean, as I say, I've been coming since 2002, so we've been over loads of times during the close season from football. Um, and it was always the plan that when I finished playing professional that we would move out. You know, my wife stayed in the UK for 12 years. She moved from Sydney to Dundee. Uh, God bless her. So, you know, it was a big, big move for her coming over from to Dundee from Sydney. Mm. Um, I know, and imagine she, that. She stayed with me in the UK for 12 years. There's not much difference between the two places no, anyways. Can I ask before these two guys get really serious and, and get too giddy and excited, did you ever have a, an approach or a thought about getting into the A-League, doing another season or two. So many players have come across thinking, oh, I'll retire now, and then got the tap on the shoulder from a, a Sydney or a Central Coast and thought, guys, uh, Gav, give us a year, mate. The, the crowd will love you. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, uh, it was always something that, you know, if an opportunity arose, I would have definitely jumped at it, but never, ever got any any sniff or anything. You know, I, I basically... What a loss. Yeah, I retired basically professional, and then I came out here, and I, I played for another... Four years at semi-pro level. You were in Hakoa, weren't you? In Sydney, at Hakoa, yeah. yeah. So good club. I was playing every week, you know. So I was still fit and ready to go, but just never really got a sniff. Obviously, a bit older. You know, I reckon Perth Glory would be keen right now, to be honest. If you gave him a call, that, <laughs> you keen to move to Perth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have definitely, have, definitely have liked, liked to have done it, but. Just never, never sort of arose, you know. Have you ever, you ever actually been to Perth, Gav, for a, a visit? I haven't actually. No, I haven't. That's one place I've not been. I've been to most of the cities in Australia, but I've never been to Perth. Next time we come here, I mate, reckon Trent, he... you should see Trent's house. This guy's on Channel 9 every week. Uh, he's it, a millionaire. If you move here, if you move here, I reckon, or if you came across for a holiday, I reckon you'd just move. It's a beautiful place, mate. I, I, I actually went to Sydney for the first time, like, two, two and a bit years ago. Uh, is that right? With a missus eye for the weekend. I loved it. I've been to Melbourne as well, but I also prefer Sydney, to be honest. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law lived in Perth. So my brother-in-law played for Perth Glory, Mark Robertson. Ah, Mark Robertson, yeah. There you go. Yeah, he's my brother-in-law. So, 
Um, he stayed out there. They, they absolutely loved um, Perth. They, they, they totally loved it. I'm good friends with Hayden Fox as well. Um, who obviously yep. talks really highly of it as well. So, yeah, no, everyone, you know, has, has talked really highly of Perth. I've just never had the chance to go over. Uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a perfect place for the, the, the families not to grow up. It's, it's got about everything perfect. You've got a bit closer to the family back in Scotland. One, one less flight. Aye, one less flight. Aye, that's true. Gav, have you seen much of this World Cup? Cause I know oh, yeah, I've been watching, watching most of it, to be honest. I know the time differences are a bit harsher on you, because you're three hours ahead of us, and we're still... Aye, it's like two o'clock in the morning, or six o'clock in the morning now, um, which is a bit bit tricky. Six o'clock's not bad. Six o'clock's but not me, bad, aye. Yeah, six o'clock's not bad, but me and the kids have been getting up for it, my kids love football as well, so we all get up and watch the games, watch most of it, yeah. On a, on a scale of one to ten, yeah, um, how, how delighted we were in England get put out the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 an interesting one, you know. Um, I think everyone knows, being Scottish, that you know it's it's one of them that anyone but England. You just inherited, they, didn't they've you? Got, they've got such a good team, and I actually quite like their team and their players. But it's just, I think it's just been shoved in our faces for so long that you know you, d- you don't want to see them go and winning it. But you know, fair play to them, they're, they're a top team. But that's a thing, guy. We've we've got a, we've got a gang of English mates out here, and um, QPR fans, Crystal Palace fans, all these boys and. We try and explain it. It's not actually the team that bothers us as such. It's, for me personally, it's listening to the the pundits and the commentators and the the, the arrogance that comes off. Them. I think um, two days before England played Senegal, I watched an interview with Rio Ferdinand, who was already talking about how they should rest Kyle Walker to play <laughs> Kyle and, uh, to play Mbappe. <laughs> no, and I'm, and I'm serious, right. Gav. That, that, that's an interview I sent to the group chat. I said, "This is a perfect example why people can't stand in major yeah. tournaments because this is what yeah, we've got to put up with." There's an arrogance there, and. And to be fair, like they've have got a top team, and and I think like the group they've got now, being younger and you know sticking together, they've, they've you know, got a really good squad. But like you say, it's not so much the players; it's it's more just about the how much it gets shoved in your face from the the commentators and talking about obviously when they won it, uh, you know, back in the day, it always gets mentioned during the commentary, and you're just like, guys, it's like fifty years ago, whatever, you know. It's, Let's move on. So it's just that little things. But listen, I, I do like I like the players. And I do. Like there, there is players the team that are you know you've got to appreciate Luke Bellingham and, and stuff aye, like that. Aye, I mean, Harry Kane's just even though it was he obviously was a hero himself, now, Harry Kane. Well, he is a bit of a hero. A, hero a bit of a hero. But uh, Gavin, I, I was going to ask you, um, who do you think will go on and win it now with the, with the, play, uh, the teams that are left? I think France are still probably favourites. Oh, um, I hoped you were going to see Argentina there. I was hoping. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd loved Argentina to do it for Messi. Yes, brilliant. Cement. And, and obviously folklore he's obviously one of the best players ever um, and obviously sort of equal what Maradona done with his, with his country oh so. equal with Maradona there you um, go you well there you go it's put to bed boys what's that well that's it he, he said one of the best equal with Maradona he didn't, he, he didn't mention Ronaldo there Gav no, I think Maradona's the best ever. Oh, uh, there we go. Oh, what that's a right. That's that is, all right. That's, that, oh, I'll I'll take that. Just loves you he's a, more, he's yeah. a bit more like Messi. So he's kind of saying Messi. He's <laughs> he kind of saying Messi. Uh, <laughs> yes. There's a divide in the camera here, mate, because I'm a big Ronaldo man. Chris is a Messi <laughs> fanboy. So we've had a few debates on this uh, before. Uh, but by the way, got one other debate we've actually had recently. This is, this is quite laughable, mate. I'm going to ask you this, but I'll ask you anyway while you're here. You've been in Australia eight years. Trent and uh, the rest of the Australians, um, they, they rubbed me and Chris up the wrong way, but uh, the, how would you describe it, Chris, with the Tim Tams? The, the, the love. The, the love for the, the Tim Tams. The love of a chocolate See the biscuit, biscuit. Tim Tams. <laughs> Honestly, the, 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 it's, it's like, listen to English with a World Cup, mate. You'd think this biscuit was the best thing ever. Like, we try, me and Chris are trying to explain to 
to Trent recently how how they're pretty much just the same as a penguin back home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't understand why Australia. You said you were going to bring a penguin tonight. What's that? Yeah. Uh, oh, they're actually. Yeah, oh, go. Oh, penguins tonight, mate. I'm so, excited. Well, wait, wait, wait off and we'll, you can fire into them, mate. But I, I just uh, we've we've been having a bit of a joke recently, mate. Wait, wait, do you eat them or what? Yeah, Tim Tams. No, not really. I, I like they're good, but you know, I, I I know what you mean. Like everyone raves on about them, but yeah, no, they're not not massive fans in this house, to be honest. No, oh, good, mate. Good. Oh, See, Trent's face is trapped. Ah, he's it's raging. It's all right. <laughs> brilliant, um, brilliant. Brilliant. No, but obviously, what we'll do, uh, Gavin, is uh, can I make a bit of a segue into uh, the kind of start of your career and. Obviously, uh, we've done a little bit of research and been able to kind of, you know, uh, listen to what you've been, uh, you know, saying to other, 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 other podcasts as well. But when, when you were obviously like, this is one of my main questions. When you were, you know, growing up, and obviously, you know, you, you went to Dundee. Was there was there any other teams that were kind of lingering about that you had the opportunity to maybe go to or at least have a chat with, or was it just Dundee? What, what was what was the scenario? Yeah, so I, I trained, I'd been training in Aberdeen, obviously being from Aberdeen, I'd been training in Aberdeen, I'd been training at Dundee United, and then obviously Dundee, I'd, I actually played for Brecon in the oh, Scottish right. Youth Cup, um, oh, we actually okay. done really well, we got to the, I think we got to the quarterfinal, we actually done really well, so that was where a lot of the interest came from, because I was playing in that and doing well, um, that's when other teams sort of started taking notice, but I was without doubt a late developer in terms of football, never, you know, that gifted technically and had to really work at that side of the game so you know whereas some of my, my peer group and my friends were really naturally gifted talent wise um so they had all signed for loads of different clubs and obviously i'd sort of seen them getting all these s form deals with you know man united chelsea you know celtic rangers whatever you know i'd never i'd never had that chance so i think that just kept me fighting just kept going for it get kept trying to get better and getting that opportunity and it was really late, you know, I was 16, you know, and, and then um, Jim Duffy came up and watched the game and, and it just went from there, really. And I think it was just due, uh, down to sort of being that late developer um, and then really starting to understand, you know, football a lot more than, than what I did to begin with, basically. Gav, how, how long were you at Dundee for before you actually started to get a sniffer about the first team? Not necessarily being playing every week, but, I mean, was there a... Was it a few months before you thought, well, I'm not far away here? Oh, but you there for a good while, put ping a Yeah, first. so I'd signed a two-year YTS, as everyone sort of done back then, and, and that was a was a big step, moving away from home and, and getting involved in full-time football and, you know, having to do the YTS jobs and that. And to be fair, I mean, it's it's definitely a good thing. I'm, I'm shocked that they've sort of stopped it. I understand why they have stopped it, but it's definitely a good grounding for just being a... Like, a hard-working sort of person, um, you know, having to do all the, the jobs for the first team and clean dressings and stuff, but it is a culture shock. And then that first year, I really struggled with the football side. You know, we've got people, kids coming up, boys coming up from the West Coast, a lot more outward and more confident than I am, right. you know, naturally. Yeah. Um, and so just being around that, that gallusness, just was just not normal, you know, right. from where I'm from. So mm. it took a lot to get used to. And then... That, and then that coupled with not playing particularly well in that first year just made the first year a real, real struggle. And it wasn't until like the last sort of couple of months that I started to get to grips with training every day and, and started to find myself as a, as a player and started to get, got a couple of goals from midfield. And then Jim Duffy and John McCormack basically just said, listen, we're going to take a chance. You're going to get your second year, but you need to go away and work on your fitness, you know, your touch and head and all that sort of stuff. And 
just the fact that I got kept on for that second year, it gave me the biggest confidence boost ever, I think I've ever had in my life. Brilliant. And then that second year, I was playing, I played all youth team games, all reserve games, and then I started playing first team in that second year when I was 17. So it was a total reversal from the first year. And it was just down to confidence, really. Were, were you always a midfielder, Gavin? I started. I actually started left back when I was younger ah, right, in the okay. juvenile days. Um, not left footed, but obviously cutting in and, and striking my right. And then I sort of uh, got into playing midfield. I played that first, the second year of uh, YTS. I played centre back for the reserves. Um, I played centre mid for the youth team and centre back for the reserves. So always pretty like flexible to play a few positions. But centre mid was where obviously I, I played yeah. the majority of my career. See, you you said that um, that you were doing uh, the jobs for the, the first team players and stuff like 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 all the kind of YTS boys normally do. You hear these stories all the time. Sounds like an apprenticeship. Well, yes. it, it, it pretty much is. That's, that's, that's hmm, what it is. Interesting. I mean, the, the younger players doesn't happen nowadays, but the, the younger players would go in to the first team change room, like do the cleaning up, clean the showers, and pick up their boots and do the washing, yep. the strips, and yep. clean their boots and stuff like that. Um, what I was going to ask you, is there any first-team players who, when you were going and doing these kind of odd jobs around about the, uh, the training ground or the stadium, whatever, were a bit of a nightmare or any you got more than others or you any stories for that? Well, a few of them could be like, a few of them would test you, you know, you had to you had to like, obviously back yourself up, but back back in those days, like, you wouldn't even go near the first-team dressing room, you know, you, mm. it's a total, a total respect thing, you had to like knock on the door to even get in, oh, okay. I used to clean the first-team dressing room and if I didn't knock, they'd t- tell me to get back out and shut the door and, and knock, you know, it's a, it's a total respect thing, whereas nowadays you just don't have that, it's just oh, not okay. there. Who, who was um, the big players in that team, uh, uh, first-team players in that time? So you'd had Jerry Britton, George yeah. Shaw, Jim Hamilton, Neil McCann, oh. Ray Farningham, Duffy was still playing, um, right. John McCormack still played now and again, so, you know, these types of players, massive characters, no Blake, you know, big, big characters, great, great guys, um, but definitely knew where you stood with them, you had to you had to show respect, and I think that's the way it should be, you know, it should be, you know, a, a place to try and aspire to get to, whereas nowadays, kids just think they should just be there, um, it's just a, it's a total mind, mindset change from the, the young kids these days, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's it's good they've got plenty of confidence, but it's just a it's more of a respect thing. I think is right. is lost a little bit. Right. I mean, loads of guys like yourself, you have listening to, and they say they say exactly the same thing. And um, no, I agree. Obviously, know where you're comfy, but um, see, you mentioned Neil McCann. See, Neil McCann, Akira, obviously, did you reckon that he was he was destined for big things even at that age? Did when you seen much of him? Yeah, so I cleaned um, Terry's as nickname. I cleaned Terry's boots. So I was, you know, so my first first year was cleaning his boots, and you could he was you could see at that point he was just he was a level above, you know, he he sort of got that confidence, and you could see he was going to go on and have a really good career, you know, obviously he went on and had a, had a top career as well, and great guy, but you know, I was just just at the time when he was just ready, he was just kicking on, so you could sort of see he was ready for that next level. I I actually remember when I was a young, a young boy, I remember um, him coming out of Ibrooks. We used to stand and kind of get the autographs at these days. I when Dick Advocat was Rangers miser and Neil McCann was there. And I remember Kenny Miller came out with Neil McCann and he called mm. him Terry. And I always wondered, why did he call him Terry? <laughs> what, what, why is that? That was his nickname. I, 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 I've Terry. heard the story, but I can't remember I think it now. It's Terry. So in the, there was an old TV programme called Minder back in the day. Like obviously, I can just remember it. I'm a bit, probably a bit older than you boys. But, <laughs> this might not. Um, <laughs> and there was Prison a guy man. in that called 
Terry McCann and obviously Neil McCann. So that's where I think that's where I right, okay, okay. All right. Um, so w- w- when was uh, your, your first start, Gavin, and, and who was it against, and uh, what was the, the nerves like getting into that game? Yeah, so I played, I came off the bench uh, for Hull about on the on the weekend, and then there was a cup game against Aberdeen, so I think it was quarter-final of the League Cup. That was my first start, and um, I think we won 2-1, which was a huge result for us, because we were division below at that point. So we managed to get through, you know, to the to the next level, uh, next round. Sorry, so that was my first start. But I was sort of in and out. He sort of blooded us in and out, which was actually really good. Actually, Jim Duffy was actually still playing when I played, so I played left back. My first team debut was at left back. Oh wow! With Duffy playing at centre back, and um, I can remember it like clearly. I don't know how I've managed this, but I got a nine in the paper, and it said. <laughs> The next Stuart Pearce, now I'm thinking, probably the next Stuart Pearce. They just sort of just sort of worked out. That day, I had a had a stormer and it went oh, well. Wow. So, yeah, no pressure after reading that Stuart Pearce. I don't imagine that. Obviously, the Dundee Derby's a lot of people. When you mention Derby's like that, obviously to anybody outside Scotland, they kind of maybe turn their nose up at it. But obviously. Being for Scotland, we, we know, I know like the Dundee United fans, are, well, everybody, well, Chris, you, oh, you know, 100%. Dundee United fans as well. They're big clubs, you know, like the Dundee clubs. And, uh, have you, when you first played that kind of derby, when I hear players, see when I hear players say they're no nervous before games and stuff, especially derbies, I always struggle to, I always struggle to believe that. I don't know if that's just, people just say that, but these games, obviously, especially for the people of Dundee, they're, um, they're obviously important. When you find out you're starting, like you're in the squad for that first, that first derby, what, what, what is your thoughts? Are you are you panicking? Are you what's 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 going on? Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good question. I've been you know lucky to play in a lot a few derbies across obviously the UK, the Dundee Derby, obviously the Old Firm down in Cardiff against Swansea as well. So you know I've I've seen all that derbies. You know played for Aberdeen, Dundee United, Dundee Dundee United. Um, I know I know what you mean about the nerves. I think the build up during the week you can sort of you can send you can feel a bit of nervousness, but like on the day, I never really used to get nervous. I used to just like I think you've got to try and treat like a treat it like what it is. It's a game at the end of the day and I know that's trivial and quite quite you know, I don't want to just brush it off as just a game, but you know, for a for a player I think that's what they've got to do. They've got to try and Treated like that because if you don't, you can't. You can get caught up in things and and get all that nervousness. And that I was just never one of that players. It was always, you know, never too high, never too low. Just sort of try and keep a steady head. So um, I know there is other players that get involved in a lot more stuff than, than that. What I did for sure. Um, I was always competitive, but you know, some people go over the top, and that was just never never my sort of character. It was always quite concentrated, quite mellow. Just really treat the game as it is. So I never really got nervous from any game. So yeah, I'm probably one of the same. Because you always wonder, don't you, um, as a fan, when you're watching like a derby game, and you kind of wonder how you would experience it and aye, how aye, you would aye. deal with it. And you can say all day long that, oh, I, I reckon I'd be composed, but I reckon I'd be an absolute aye, nut job. I'd be an emotional wreck, man. I mean, I'd, the, the crowd would, the I, crowd I, would, would. I would, I'd be not making you left, right, and centre. <laughs> you were wrecking our local <laughs> local uh, cup final. Oh, come so on. Come on. Would it be like but, a professional. But game? talking about big games. Uh, and what one uh, one instant that you you definitely gave me a lot of joy was a was a last minute a last uh, minute winner at uh, Ibrooks. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, a that was a great that was a great great weekend for me. Yeah, and me. It was good. It was, uh, was my twenty <laughs> yes. second birthday. That day. <laughs> oh, is that right? Um, oh, wow, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Man. What, what was it? Birthday, what was it like to, to score at that you know at that level against that team in that stadium and not just. 
I go, but an actual winner. How, 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 how was it? It was amazing, just because, like you say, the, the situation, how it came about, it was the last sort of minute. You know, we'd, we'd been, you know, we'd played pretty well. It was competitive. We were obviously drawn at the time. And we'd give a good account of ourselves. We were, a, I think it was maybe the first year we were back up in the SPL. So, wow. you know, it was a huge result for us. Um, and just with the timing of the goal, you know, you think there was a good chance it could be the winner because basically last minute. Although I think Rangers did have another chance, but we managed to just keep it out. But that's a huge result for Dundee that, you know, people still talk about. And What a goal that was. Smaller clubs like that, you know, going there and, and getting getting the result, getting a win and, you know, giving the fans that, that joy, um, especially on my 22nd birthday. It was an amazing, amazing day for me, that. I think, uh, if I remember right, it was a foul in the build-up to that goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, uh, you were probably claiming it. Grow, growing up in Aberdeen, you, you, you were obviously an Aberdeen fan. Uh, I was, yeah. Aye, aye. yeah. Uh, so you were in a popular boy at Aberdeen. Your, your family and mates and that is scoring, scoring a goal against Rangers, especially the winner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what like yeah, the Rangers stuff is, but there's, there's rivalry there. But yeah, obviously I was grew up in Aberdeen, and Aberdeen were doing well at that time. I stayed close to the stadium, so you know people grew up around Ibrox and uh, Rangers fans that was very similar to me in Aberdeen at that point yeah, just going to I know um, at Dundee Jockey Scott was a manager before obviously the Benetti brothers and that came in and the whole that whole era started um, see just before that happened it was uh, was there any signs because Jockey if I remember right Jockey Scott was doing quite well with Dundee is that right he was, he was, I, think um, well, I think it's still the highest. I think he's still got the highest position in the in the SPL in, in the top division. Did you did you finish uh, top six or just about six? Or, I can't remember, but I remember. Six, yeah, we were top six at the end of the season. I'm pretty sure we're jockey. Um, so there wasn't really any signs, but you know, I think the the Mars had the owners had like um, decided to go down this sort of other route of trying to develop talent from. Overseas and then selling them off in 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 Britain, uh, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was just the timing. Um, it just didn't work because I think the transfer market sort of stopped, you know, being as popular as what it was, and the actual model didn't work long term. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. there was no real signs previously because, like I say, Jockey had done we done so well with the team we had. We were, you know, pretty much team of British boys, you know, very close-knit, who were really competitive and, and getting results, and we beat Hearts four times that year, four times wow. we beat them, and, um, so it was that's massive for, you know, a club like Dundee to be able to do that, it was, it was huge, so um, we were definitely competitive with the good team, and then, yeah, we weren't expecting anything to change, but that's, that's football I suppose. What was um, what was it, what was the mood like in the camp, uh, in the change room and stuff and obviously Jockey, and Jockey leaves, I imagine the way he were playing, he must have been a popular guy and then these these the Benetti boys come in, and uh, what, what was it? What was the players saying? What were you, what were you thinking? It was a massive culture shock. You know, I'd I'd played pretty much every game for two two and a half years in the in the top division, and then you basically have to try and prove yourself again. Like I was nowhere near the first team when they first started. They had their own ideas, they had their own you know midfielders that they brought in. I was tossed to the side, so a massive culture shock. The training. You know the preseason, all different. I've actually grown to sort of appreciate that over time, though. But when that happened, it was it was tough to take because obviously I went to play. But you know, seeing all the different cultures through my career, um, I really actually look back fondly at the Italians and their tactical sort of nous and the way they play and their, their belief in playing how we should play and not worrying about opposition. So I really enjoyed it over over time, and obviously 
working working my way back into the team and was one of his favourite players in the end. But at the start, it was a, it was a massive culture shock, totally totally different to what we were used to. And and see how um, in in terms of the comparison between the training. Obviously, you've got Jockey Scott that I've got to assume has got that kind of old school mentality, and I could be wrong. And then you've got these, you know, a, a different um, you know mentality of training, maybe methods. What what did you prefer? Did you prefer the, the way Jockey was doing it or the way that the, the, the new regime are doing it? I think if if you ask me that question, even at the end of my career, I would always prefer the way that Jockey was doing it, just because right. it's something you grow up and you're used to. Yes. You know, it, it's you know, it's work hard on a Monday, work hard running on Tuesday, but you get plenty of games and then off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday you're preparing for the game on the weekend. But always competitive, high intensity, really hard work. The Italian methods were really different where it was you very rarely didn't see much of the ball during the week. It was loads of fitness, loads of tactical stuff. Didn't really get like small sided games and, and that. But then come a Saturday, you were really organised for the weekend and you were just desperate to see the ball and it was amazing. You know, it's, the games in the weekends were amazing. So totally different contrasting styles. But you know, I think just you always you're used to a certain style and that's that's kind of what it was with jockey and that British sort of training. I was always used to that. So that's probably what I preferred. Although I do definitely see the benefits of what the Italians done, they were phenomenal tactically. Aye. It is a shame, isn't it, that it's kind of now out of football, that style of training, because it was the same as when we were training our, our, our local teams, you'd always, if it was twice or three times a week, there was one or two nights where it was just, you'd run for an hour and a half, you'd get a game at the end. It's, it's, a, it's a, I understand that the reason why they've changed certain things, and it's obviously for the better of the football way the football. Moved on, I mean, football. You, you watch. You, you can really watch a, 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 any game now, and you can see the philosophy of the of the way they play the foot. Uh, the, the, the way they, uh, they play. Very but tactical. It's a shame a little bit that you've uh, we've lost that. Yeah, it's definitely evolved. Football's definitely evolved, you know, and it will continue to. You know, everyone these days in the top level are phenomenal athletes, and they have to be. Um, but yeah, you definitely see a lot more of. The tactical styles these days, as as what you used to then, but it was more sort of high intensity. You know, not just entertaining because it's still entertaining now, but just a different, different, uh, different way to play, I suppose. Uh, I was, um, it, it was mad. I, I think I was about maybe twelve or thirteen remember this era, but just I've got I've got some players in front of you. Gave um, the, the players that came into Dundee it was um, Canadia, Juan Sara, uh, Caballero, Jose Nemzati, yeah. Alberto Carranza. Kitzbaya, Ravenelli, Craig Burley, and I even believe uh, we natural come in at some point, but I don't think he was anything to do with that, that um, era, was he? Um, but just rhyming off their players, and imagine they were, they were Dundee players. It's incredible <sighs> to say that Dundee. I, 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 I remember Canadian signing, and he was probably I was probably a bit too young to, to really know who he was. But I remember my my dad at the time going mental about it. He came in, he's like, "Claudio Canadian." I'm thinking, who's called? And then you see, obviously, his highlights for Argentina. You did, and before you know it, you're well aware of who he is. And and it's not until I'm this age now, and you look back in hindsight, you compare it to. I mean, how can you compare it to a, a nowadays situation? Like a top player, top international player, going to a team like Dundee. It's <laughs> insane. And we're, and we're not talking about just a top international player. The guy was a superstar, Claudio Canadia. Oh, and there he is. There he is turning up at training in Dundee. It's madness. Yeah, it was. I mean, you rattled off so many good players there that I'd, you know, very lucky to play with and had a really good connection with Georgie Nimzadze. Obviously, me and him played in the middle a lot and he was a phenomenally talented player technically wise and, you know, was a top, top player to play with. Um, obviously, the other ones, Juan Sara, goal scorer, 
Uh, Caballero was one of the best hold-up strikers I played with, but Canija was next level. Like honestly, he was levels above anyone I'd played with. Probably throughout my career, he was just wow. you know he was thirty-three when he joined us, and if if I would have been, I would have loved to have seen him in his prime because he would have been phenomenal because he was a superstar. What what about Ravanelli, Gavin? I mean, was that a just someone just collecting a paycheck, or did he like put the work in? Was he, you know, part of the project? Yeah, no, he sort of came in towards the end. So him and Burley came in towards the end, just before it all sort of capitulated. And he was he was great. I mean, to be honest, most of the boys that came in were, were brand new. Like they all bought into, you know, the British culture. They were good around the dressing room. You know, they loved it. Loved being around the club. So most everyone they were all good. It was Ravenelli was just towards the end. So. Didn't play that much before it all sort of fell apart. I think he was maybe only there for a few months before it all fell apart. So, right. um, but he, again, good guy, really good with the with the young boys and uh, good top pro, obviously. Um, so yeah, now most of the boys were great. It, it's funny, right? Because you, we, we rhyme off these names and we've got the pleasure of watching match the day at the weekend, and you see these players and they, they're, they're magic, and then you you kind of go, where, where does Ravenelli go after the game? Does he does he go back to a hotel? Has he got a, a has he got a, a studio has apartment? He got, has he got fat Sam's? Is it, you know what, 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 what did the did these guys like integrate themselves into like you said that 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 way of life? Where they did they go to the pub? Did they have a drink or did they keep themselves to themselves? Most of them did. Most of them came out. Most of them all like, really bought into it and, and were you know out with the boys when the boys were out. Obviously, I was a lot younger then, which was great. So we had a, we had a great time. But um, you know, I think the club looked after him as well in terms of accommodation and where they were set up and you know the club rolled out everything for us we were we were staying at the Canoostie Hotel the night before games <laughs> even home games it was just crazy you know it was just nuts you know it was just like Fantastic. there's no need but you know the time we're saying this is what you should be doing professional so the club went for it so it was um it was definitely changed changed times to what it was previously but yeah most of them they were all really good at integrating with the group and um the majority of them were, were brilliant yeah you can just imagine eh, on a Saturday night going to the local nightclub and you're speaking to your pals, your a few a few of the, the local ladies come up and you're like, ah, let's I want to introduce you to a guy called uh, Fabrizio Ravanelli. <laughs> it's like it just doesn't happen, I don't know. It's just a a, me, a mental thing to do. Um, Bad. I know, I know. I can get early twenties and you're hanging about with Ravanelli and that in the changing room. <laughs> well, we went to, we went to Italy in pre-season and obviously so this is when Kanija was there and. We were only one night out in three weeks, which is torture, because that's just the way they do it. Whereas normally you go away and it's like a stag do. This was like one night out in three weeks. It was horrible. We're stuck in the mountains in Italy. But we got, you get through it and then you get your night out at the end. And um, we went to a nightclub and obviously Canija's there with us, an absolute Italian legend. So the whole club just stops when we walked in because it's Canija. Oh my goodness. And we're buying drinks and the music's going off and everyone's getting the best table. And he was just, he was just taking it in. He was brilliant. I love that. See, see, see a couple of players that I listed there. Juan Sara. As soon as somebody mentions Juan Sara to me, I just think Jesus loves you. Remember, he used to take <laughs> the, 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 the shirt there. He was a fuck as young well, that's, as. That's the reason why you go to church every I, Sunday. That's the reason. That's it for Juan Sara. <laughs> Caballero. Caballero. I remember. I used to always look at him and go, I, even now when you see like old clips, which is very rare, obviously. But I, I remember he, he went back and had a stint at Aberdeen a few years after Dundee, and I don't think he he done very well. It never worked out. But I always remember looking at him, think, I'd love to give that guy a right good bath. <laughs> he just looked constantly sweaty and dirty and do you know what I mean just uh, try not to be oh, difficult well, to the guy but you, you know what you, I mean 
Yes. His character to be Phil Remenems. He was like he was not he wasn't on top pro, but what a player he was, man. Wow, Aye, he was he used phenomenal. To, if I remember him and Canadian used to roll the socks in, didn't he? They didn't usually pull the socks yeah, in. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. I remember yeah, that. He, didn't, he was never the same after he got his once he done his ACL, he was never really the same. Um so he'd done his ACL against Dundee United and then never really got back to that level, but you know, he was a phenomenal player, just hold up playing and his way to pass into like me when I was running as a midfielder, just it was perfect. He was really intelligent player. Obviously, um, I mean, the fairy tale had to come to an end eventually. But obviously, Dundee had major financial troubles, which is understandable. We we, we consider the stories you've just told in the last three or four minutes that this happening at a club like Dundee, and it was it was um, uh, obviously administration came. Uh, and yep. end up no long after, like you said, guys like Burley and Ravenelli had signed. Administration came and um, multiple people. I don't remember the exact figure. Uh, lost, lost a George. Almost twenty people or twenty two or someone like else lost a George. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Um, but am I right in saying, Gav, um, later that same season, that was the season. It was two thousand three Scottish Cup final. Um, it would have been the season. season just before that, so basically we must we got to the Scottish Cup final, and then the following season would have been administration. I think was that because I remember seeing the Scottish Cup because once that once Sarah and the rest of them only playing the Scottish Cup final, were they? I, 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 um, I think Caballero was. I remember, Caballero was. I remember we Novo on the bench. Yeah, um, but I don't remember seeing one Sarah and stuff like that. Are there parallels to the Portsmouth situation there? Uh, what you mean, because they signed all the big big hitters and. <coughs> Got to, got to the, the cup final and then see you later. Possibly. And I'll tell you, in about a year's time, we'll probably be seeing the same about Nottingham Forest. Watch our space. <laughs> well, they're probably not. Are they getting into a cup final? No, nah, I don't mean the cup final, but I just mean they're signing, they're spending all that money that they necessarily maybe don't have, you know? Hmm. But, um, but yeah, there might be a link there. But, um, sorry, Gavin, I did the Scottish Cup final 2003 against Rangers. I, I, I wasn't sure what, uh, what when yeah, so I think it's the following year that we went in administration because I moved to Rangers in 2004 mm. in January, so it would have just been before that, yeah. So it would have been Scottish Cup final and then administration, yeah. All right, yeah. the Scottish Cup final, um, obviously, I, I remember watching that game, we, we probably took a good doing it. I think, um, I remember, oh, I, don't, I don't know, I think it was Barry Smith hit the post, and I think Natural Novo hit the bar as well when he came yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know how we won that game, to be honest. We should have won that game. To be you honest, have, we just you never had chances and and then got hit with a sucker punch at a corner. Uh, it was Amaruso, wasn't it? We scored on Amaruso header, aye. His last game for Rangers. Uh, yeah. Is that right? That's uh, right. Yeah. Game, oh. yeah. Wow. So I was just I was all one for us that day. But again, getting to Scotland's got final with a club like Dundee and and pushing Rangers all the way was 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 big. Um, but yeah, you look back on it and think we we could have easily taken that game. Yeah, for sure. See, see, before the game kicked off, Gavin, was there a sense of? Uh, you know, look, we'll just obviously try and ease us, ease ourselves into the game. Or was it a uh, look? We've got you know a lot of confidence here. He's actually believed you could have you could have won that cup final. Yeah, I think I think even you know, in going into the game, obviously knew it was going to be a big ask against Rangers, but you know we were playing pretty playing pretty well with a good team. Um, Jim Duffy was the manager, so what happened is the Italians must have left in the summer. Duff was the manager. And there were still a few of the boys that would, had left over. So Georgie was still there, Kishnasvili was still there. Mm. You know, and, and so we had a really good team and we'd, we had a, had a good run to the final. Beat Aberdeen, I think we beat Park Thistle, a couple of other Prem teams. And then 
Inverness and Semi, we were lucky, lucky to get through, but we still fancied ourselves in the chat in the final. But you know, Rangers were also going for the treble, so we knew it was going to be tough. Um, although hearing all the stories since then that we were out all week, uh, aye, aye, aye. you know, it's yeah. a bit of a killer <laughs> thinking aye. we should have really won the game, you know. Nah, no, true, of course. Um, obviously, you said that the uh, following January, because obviously the administration, I think, um, Dundee. Obviously, you you were a bit of a, how would you call it, an asset for Dundee Wing earlier, yeah. so it made good business sense for them to keep you because they knew it was probably only a matter of time that someone would come in and pay some money for you. I think it was 250000 I was. You went yeah. to Rangers in the, the January. Oh, you signed for Rangers in the January. Uh, when you take that call, I don't know if it's off your agent or off Rangers, Matt, I, I don't know how it works, but... Are you delighted? I mean, there's no hesitation, surely. But was there other teams there chasing you as well, apart from Rangers? Um, I'd had a couple of chats with another couple of clubs down south, but nothing like concrete. Mm. Um, and then my agent phoned me and just says, listen, Art McLeish is going to call you. Really keen to get you down to Rangers. Um, and then obviously when he says that, and then the next minute, you know, Alex calls me and says, listen, we're really keen to get his deal done. And, you know, can you come down and, and do the medical and, and sign? And at that, at that stage, oh, yeah, 100%. You know, um, I was ready in that stage of my career to move to the next level, go to a, a huge club at Rangers and worked hard to get there. So it, it made sense for me personally and obviously sense for the club. The club got money, you know, it helped them as well. So, um, yeah, it made sense for, for all parties. Like, uh, you, obviously, you signed, and it was only a few short days later, you're, you're thrown in right in the mixer. All from debut, yep. Rangers debut, all from debut. I was actually at this game. Um, so I, did I, you did you buy a Rangers top and have Gavin's name in the back? I never had the money for it. Shocking. Never had the money for Shocking, it. Shocking, Gavin. But, um, no, I actually, I, <laughs> I was actually woke up uh, with a phone call that morning off one of the boys off the bus and said, "I've got a ticket for a park kid. You want it?" I said, "Definitely." Jump in the car, drive, go there, and uh, I watched us get battered three 0 um, yeah. It was a th- freezing day as well. Obviously, it was, it was, like you say, it was January. I remember it well. And obviously you went off yourself a, a, a half an hour or something, Gavin, a, a hamstring. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember it. And, um, I had, it was first my first. I think that was actually my first game at Parkhead as well. First game uh, I'd went at Parkhead, and we got a letter three 0 So, uh-huh. um, but I like, like I say, you've 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 got obviously you moved to Rangers. You've made your debut. Unfortunately, you've got injured. But turning up at turning up at Rangers training ground, you're you're now sharing a change room with guys like Ronald De Boer, Michael Moles, um yeah. I believe Barry Felstone had left at that point, he was at Blackburn, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um yeah. but this obviously the squad is just riddled with quality. Um what were you thinking walking in and try to um try to compete with these guys, even just on the training ground alone? Yeah, no, it was it was obviously it's, it's challenging, you know, you you're going to a huge club with like you say, huge personalities, huge players top quality players as well. You know, I'd been I'd been playing for Scotland, I'd been in and in and out of Scotland squad. So you're obviously you go to that level and you you, you hope you, you compete and you can um do that as well. So it, it sort of had a little bit of experience of going into that next level of player and, and trying to compete and, and felt comfortable. This was doing it day to day at a huge club with huge expectations and it's challenging for sure. But um at, at that stage, you know, you're ready I was ready for it. I was ready to make that move and ready to push on and you know, I think um, coming in, you know, I'd done a medical, I trained the first day with Deboer and Mikey Moles doing a fitness test. <laughs> just like, wow, okay, this is a, <laughs> this is next level. I mean, obviously, doing a bit of skillful st- skill work with them, just like, wow, this is like bizarre, you know, that I'm here Quite with these type of players. 
Yeah, so and can you tell yeah. can you tell straight away, Gavin? That that I mean, I know it's quite obvious, but can you tell straight away that the the standards are just at a different level that you maybe didn't expect or you did expect? I mean, what was what was that? Um, I would say I did expect it, but it, you can definitely tell it's 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 next level up, um, and you need to be pushing on in in your own game to get to that levels every day. And um, you know, like I say, I was confident I could do it. It was just about doing it and. Um, yeah, that um, that first game, I'd obviously I'd been carrying a slight hamstring injury at Dundee, and obviously going into the game, I felt fine training, and but then obviously felt in the game straight away, made a burst into the box, and just felt my hammy go, which was a terrible start to my Rangers career, to be honest. Um, and the reason I sort of played that game was because you know Alex was desperate to get us in to play that game and and then really be part of the team. He was trying to move a few boys out, I think. Nellinger was there and Emerson and I think he'd Jeez. sort of made the decision to move these, these boys on and, and refresh the squad and you know so you're going into training with these boys who are not happy so you've got to you've got to be a strong personality to be able to go in and handle yourself in that situation um, and still train and as I say at that point I was ready for that but it was uh, yeah it was a, it's a huge huge step up for sure When you sing I love listening to I've heard a few stories uh, in the past with ex-players um, saying how they met Jimmy Bell when they arrived at um, uh, Murray Park and obviously they go and get yep. training gear their, their squad number or whatever it is and it's as if Jimmy Bell's got a he's got a legendary <laughs> reputation for just being a wee moody you know what you know what I mean but it was just almost <laughs> as if it was part of who he was it was just his character and you had to get to know him you had to get used to it obviously he was part yeah. of the furniture um, we lost him earlier this year which was obviously tragic for Rangers fans it's horrible yep. um, when a guy like that who is part of the furniture as I say passes away so it was a massive blow but um, if, you, if you get any any good ones of your first introduction and if he gave you any kind of snide comments or any any part of when you arrived oh i'd have got plenty of snide comments um <laughs> i think i think he'd done that with everyone he he'd done that he would always no matter what you asked for in training you know whether it was you know you needed a, a pair of shorts or an under armor top or whatever it was he would always make a point of saying like basically, come on, are you joking? Sort of thing. Who are you? <laughs> aye, aye. But then he would always, he would always give you, you know. But he would always, he would always have that riposte to begin with. Hard time um, for him. Brilliant. Yeah, aye. I was, I was number eleven when I joined, so he was off. Ah, Jeez, <laughs> David Cooper, <laughs> George Albert, <laughs> Neil McCann, Brian Moody, you. And all that. <laughs> I, know, I was right. like, wait, well, I can only, I can only say sorry. I can only say sorry. But yeah, he was like that. He was, he was brilliant. Though. He was amazing to be, you know, around him. You listen to his stories, and you know, everyone loved him there. And it was obviously tragic that he passed away. You know, I remember George Windass told a story recently as well. It was pretty similar because he he eventually got number eleven and. Said that Jimmy Bell was saying to him as well. He's like, number eleven, you. He's like, I remember the days with a real number eleven and Brian Lowdrop and stuff like. That. <laughs> he's the kind of character you want. That's the uh, kind of it's brilliant. Uh, I mean, everybody. There's probably one or two foreign guys who probably came in and struggled with. I, I, I dare say, but um, I think you need to know to be a certain to be for a certain part of the world to be able to take banner like that. Oh, you've got it. And hundred percent. Jimmy Bell was quality. I could listen to stories with him all day. Gavin. You, I've obviously listened to many stories. Chris may want to go and have a coffee or a tea at this point because you're not going to enjoy good, this one, mate. There's a good chance that I might need to. Um, step out. Helicopter Sunday, um, yeah, which is uh, up there with one of the best days of my life, by the way. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't mind saying that. Um, well, it, it should be. It should be. <laughs> um, obviously, you were injured, Gav. Um, 
Yeah. And I obviously have seen, we've seen footage and like we spoke about before, you, you were in the suit now, but you obviously you were in attendance at Easter Road that day and you were obviously hmm. sitting in the stand and see before the game I, I, I've heard players interviewing saying, oh no, we were still positive and this and that and that's one thing I'll never believe. I don't believe that many of the players would have thought, no, no, we can still do this because I know what I felt like as a fan, I was thinking we have no chance. They're not going to go to Murrowville and drop points because that was a, I, th- I still think that was the best Celtic team in my lifetime that I watched. Under mm. Martin anyway, I don't think any of the other ones have come come reasonably close. Um, but uh, what, what was you personally, and what was the t- what was the boys thinking as well? Were they thinking, ah, we've made it. I mean, we'll go here and we'll get a job, but I don't, I don't see it happening. A strange season for me that one. Obviously, missed it because I'd done my ACL and um, it was really disappointing. But it was still, you know, it's still amazing to be to have been a part of it and been around the squad. And you know, when there's results during the season, it's not really went to part. It went to. The way we'd won it, you know, try, just try to keep them going and try to keep positive with them. And obviously, you know, we'd, I think we'd lost the Ibrox, didn't we, to sell maybe Aye, a few games. go five points behind. That's right. Yeah. So I think at that point, we're like, well, obviously it's a, it's a long stretch now, but let's just keep winning the games and see see what happens. And I think the fact that we got it down in the last game was Jeez. was huge. Mm. And obviously, there was, there was still an opportunity. Obviously, a big Marvs kept everyone keep believing. believing, of course. Um, <laughs> But we went, yeah, we went there that day, hopeful, but you know, probably not expecting it. Um, and you know, obviously, as the game progresses and you, the results come in, and obviously, we get a goal, and and then it just, it was just, a, it was an amazing thing to be a part of, and probably not expected on the day, but it probably made it even sweeter because because we did get it. Mm. Um, and just as I said, to be part of that squad that done that was amazing. Obviously, I would have loved to have played, but to to see it from the inside, like. The dressing room afterwards, the celebrations, all the guys, the team's hard work, and obviously the management and coaching staff, and the reward that they get for all the hard work, and um, you know, to be a part of that from the inside, and the bus journey back to Ibrox, and oh, bro, all that is just incredible and stuff. Stuff you obviously I, you dream of. I was actually, I was actually at Ibrox as well. I jumped in the car and went straight to Ibrox because I wasn't yeah. even drinking because I didn't expect anything. Nothing, nothing was expected. So as soon as the whistle went, we just loaded up the car, went to Ibrox. I was actually sitting right up front row in uh, Copeland. And yeah. I remember all the players coming out and the whole place just went bananas and then there was a pitch invasion. And it was one of the one of the things I regret is no running on that pitch. Because everybody, everybody had done it. Because I was worried if we all ran on, the players would go and the, the, the ah, celebration right, okay, would get yep, cut yep, short. Yep, yep. So I was trying to be sensible. Yep. But it's not until in, in hindsight I thought, Stephen, I just went on the pitch, man. <laughs> just cuddled somebody, I just got hoodied somebody. <laughs> no, I just, ah. But, but one thing I was going to ask you, uh, and... Um, I'm I'm really interested to hear that. What 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 sort of um, team talk would have McLeish had done before that game? Because obviously most of the, the players would have known. Look, we need to just go out, do our job, win the game, and hopefully get some sort of luck. But did they did they say anything different that day during or even let's say at half time, Gavin? Uh, not not that I can remember. It was pretty much like I say we were in the, the position where we were the chasing the chasing team. So it was more like. Guys, just let's just concentrate and get the job done. We'll look after ourselves, and then what happens, what happens, you know. And it was the same after, obviously, they beat his Ibrox. It was more, it was just that, just let's just get it to the last game yep. and keep putting pressure on and, and see where it goes. And, you know, luckily it went in our favour that day, and it was, um, yeah, it was sensational to be a part of. You, um, so you understand, you hear the Rangers fans' roar. Is that the first inkling you've got? Uh, you weren't uh, texting, nobody, you, you had nobody texting you on your phone or anything like that. The first, the first sign everybody gets is the Rangers fan, Rangers fans just roaring and that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that, was, that was definitely the, the biggest, obviously, indication of what was going on. But you know, where we were sitting in the stand, so all the boys that weren't involved or injured, you know, we were all sitting together in the stand and 
we were beside the press, so you know we were asking them what was happening, and they'd sort of confirmed the sort of scores and stuff. Wow! And wow. that's when wow. we went down to the dugout, and we we're like, if it stays as it is, you know, we're, we're going to win. So, um, you know, obviously it carried on like that. Our game sort of just petered out. It was just basically, I was happy to lose one 0 because we obviously, Europe. and yeah. we were happy with that as well. <laughs> nobody was really doing anything. Wow. We're just waiting for the time to go, and um, you know, it eventually goes and. Get confirmation, then it just the place just goes bananas. Eh? Unbelievable! I was actually in a pub and they had the two games on. They had the Celtic game on one screen, the Rangers pub. And when that Scott McDonald scored, that was it was like the longest six minutes of my life. I'm like, honestly, <laughs> the sweat that came off me just watching that. And it's. Oh, it's you know the funny thing is about that weekend, right? I had my full day night planned. Aye. It was like, you know, we're going to go here, we're going to go there. <laughs> and in the moment that that game finishes, it, your whole weekend ruined. Trent, the whole weekend is, I am. there's no chance I'm going to, there's just so no chance. I still you watched, got nothing going on, clearly. I still watch <laughs> the highlights and it still gives me goosebumps just watching it. I know, I it's a commentary and the role. Like you can see Barry Ferguson and Alex Ray still celebrating as the game's going to be ah, being the played. Games, the games are getting played. Unbelievable, but I could talk about this all night, but Chris has kicked me under the table here, Gab. <laughs> I'll move on. Um, more than happy to talk, more than happy to talk. Obviously, um, uh, it's you, Paul Paul Gwen. Obviously, we, we don't have a successful season um, next season, and, and um, eventually Alex McLeish leaves. Paul Gwen comes in. No, I remember. I remember a newspaper picture when this guy came in, and he was. It, it was a. He hadn't quite arrived. He, he was confirmed Rangers manager, but he hadn't quite arrived yet. And he was like marching through the desert. Yeah. And I remember sort of, that picture. I you know that, the picture, yeah. I, and I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. and I'm watching this picture. I'm going, this guy's going to whip the boys into shape. He's. This is going to be incredible. We're in for a few trophies here. Yeah, and then. Wow, I mean, I, it was linked. It was linked to the Real Madrid job and everything. This guy and it was everybody was. I think even other teams are going off. Rangers are going to be good this year. And I think that was maybe, and Gav can obviously correct me here, but it was maybe a few years before Guardiola started to implement. I'm not. I'm not comparing them to Guardiola. What I mean is, he was implementing the the way that the the players were playing from the back. Mm. And I remember when Le Guin joined, I thought, I, I just see this. Tremendous style of football going to get played at Rangers. I remember thinking this is going to be a phenomenal appointment I don't for think Rangers. Anybody predicted anything. There is no success. chance that you know. Just, but but yeah. when, when he came in, uh, Gavin, obviously you know, was there certain players that um, didn't? Um, but let's say Bianchi's uh, methods was there certain players that that bought into it and were right behind him. What, what was the kind of initial reaction when um, he actually did turn up and you know you were on the training field? Um, I think. Like like most people, it was a big coup. You know, he was like you say, he was linked through Madrid. So we were all, you know, really excited about the appointment. You know, really looking forward to the season getting started. What I would say is he probably, in hindsight, probably changed too much too quickly. It was like mm. too drastic a change. Mm-hmm. He brought in a lot of his own players, which as, as coaches they do, but he totally sort of changed the culture around the place in terms of little things like you know even. When you're doing warm-ups, you weren't allowed to sort of talk. You had to oh. be fully concentrated. No, you weren't allowed to stretch and talk. Whereas that's bread and butter. That's what we've done for years. It doesn't yeah. mean you're a bad pro. You're you're still a top pro. You're. It's just the way we are and the way we've been brought up. So I think there was little things. I'm not saying people didn't buy into it because everyone obviously wants to be successful. But looking back, it's probably just changed too drastically, too quickly. I would probably say. Because I, I remember, um, actually. Um there was a team that I was playing for at the time and we actually went over to Murray Park to do like a kind of night session. I think it was like five or six times in the, the one month. And I remember getting told by one of the, the Rangers coaches at the time that 
the indoor uh, astrograss. I think it's like a three-quarter yep. length park. Um, he'd put tennis, um, like he'd put the, the tennis kind of court lines down. Uh, he wanted to not. He was thinking, well, there's there's parts outside. Why have another part inside? But I wasn't too sure if that was something that it was it was him that done, or if it was just randomly done. Well, he definitely changed things around uh, this, the training ground for sure. You know, there was lots, lots of change. You know, in terms of like even the, the dietary requirements from the chef. You know, there were certain things banned straight away, like stupid things like baked beans and tomato <laughs> sauce. You, you hear these things all the time. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But you know, that's, you weren't allowed to have that. But you could have other things that we probably viewed as not as good for you. But you were allowed to have that because that's what they have, they've been brought up on. So it was a little bit. Of the cultural change, and and again, like I say, like during my career, I've, I've I've worked with lots of different people from different nationalities, and really enjoyed you know learning stuff. Um, I think it was just too too quick when he came in to change a lot of things and brought in a lot of players. Maybe didn't realise the expectation levels of a club like Rangers, and just you basically got to win every week or it's a disaster. Mm. Um, and then that's kind of kind of how it sort of went over the time he was there. It, it just got worse and worse as, as it carried on, you know. Was 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 the diet restrictions really that bad? Because I remember at the time a lot being made at like headlines and stuff, and I was thinking, I wonder if some of these stories are true. Like Bob Malcolm selling Monster Munch out about his car. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there was actually... I don't know if that's true, no, but... There was actually a newspaper headline, mate, about Monster Munch was banned. <laughs> that was that honestly oh, monster no, munch everyone, everyone would have been banned like it was proper like wow. lo- loads of restrictions and I'm, like, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing it's just, it was just different to what we were used to and all the boys looked after themselves they were all fit you know everyone looked after their fat percent and their, their body weights and stuff anyway before he came so you know it's it's just a big a big change a big cultural change and I think just too quick but Listen, it is, people have got their own ideas and, and he's, he was a coach, so he was totally entitled to that. He did a lot of success before he came um, and it just didn't, didn't work out over, over the time he was in, unfortunately. Um, obviously, he brought in a lot of players. Well, he brought in a few players that, that summer. Um, uh, Libos Yonko, Sibo, um, I think Carl Svensson was one of his as well. Um, yeah. Uh, the one I wanted to ask, for, uh, ask about in particular was uh, come on. When he came, yes. I remember watching him against Murrowville, which was the first game of the season. We won 2-1. He, he looked as if he was a technically gifted player, come on, but at the same time, it obviously never worked out in the long term and he was gone after a season, but was, would, would you agree that he maybe wasn't suited to Scottish football? Because he he looked as if he was a tidy technical player, but he, he never really came to anything even after he's just got no, nothing of note anyway. Yeah, mate, he was a top player. Like Aye, Obviously, I was similar position. He was he was a phenomenal, like technically gifted player. Good, you know, great, great kid around the place. I actually thought he would really kick on and, and do big things in his career because of his technical ability and um, the way he adapted quite quickly. But like you say, it sort of never really came in, which was really surprising because he was, you know, probably pick of the bunch out of the, most of the boys that, that came over. Um, he was he was up there definitely one of the better ones for sure and I thought he'd have really kicked on, but it just never really never really panned out that way. Even Sionko, who didn't really, he kind of flattered to deceive most of his Rangers career, but then you watched, I watched him in the Euros a year or two later and I was thinking, where is this guy been? Who's this guy? Was this wasn't the guy that yeah. played for us. He was, he was magic in the Euros for Czech Republic. I remember yeah, he was. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that as well. And yeah, again, good pro, good guy. Um, did really well, you know, in for the was it Czech Republic, wasn't it? He was, Czech he was Republic, aye. That's right, aye. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like had some amazing games for Rangers, but then had some not so good games. Mm, inc- but, yeah, inconsistent, aye. 
it's it's an inconsistency, yeah, of course. But you know, it's these obviously everyone comes and, and tries their best, and it just didn't work out for a lot of the players. And um, obviously, the, the, obviously the biggest story, the Paul Gwen, the Paul Gwen era, which uh, I'm sure yep. you've, you've spoken about a million times. Yeah, it's uh, the the captain's yeah, issue. Obviously, <clears throat> I remember I remember us going to Inverness and getting beat two one. Uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, getting beat two one. Mm. Um, obviously there was words uh, this, this story is obviously well documented now there was words with Barry Ferguson in the change room uh, not so much a one on one but it was kind of just be probably doing what a captain should do especially yeah. at a club that size mate and just um, pointing out the negatives and where the demands need to be and obviously came to, the next day and Leguain obviously wasn't happy that Leguain, uh, Ferguson spoke up one thing less than another and Ferguson has shown the door and next mm. thing you know he's, he's, he's pulled you in you're the captain and I mean, how how did how did you feel then? It was yeah, it was, it was tough tough to be honest. It was it was a lot of pressure, you know. Um, the whole thing like that put Inverness obviously losing, and then Barry having a pop at team. Like you say, that happens in dressing rooms all over the world, and especially in the UK. You know, the captain sort of has the right to sort of dig people out if he needs to, mm-hmm. and express a disappointment in the result. Just again, different. Maybe just a culture class, culture class. Sorry, um, with Le Guin, and he wanted to be the boss and wanted to be the one that could only say stuff. And you know, it, one thing led to another, and then the next minute, obviously, Barry had been told he wasn't captain, and he pulled me in like immediately after and says, "Listen, you're going to be captain." And I was like, well, "Okay then," which was strange, obviously, because I wasn't I wasn't playing regular. Mm. He, he liked me because of my professionalism. I was mm. always dedicated to my craft, trained as much as, as as hard as I could every day, no matter what. Um and then sort of been in and out, but not definitely wasn't playing regular. So it was very strange to put me in that position and it heaped a, a huge bit of pressure on, you know, me and the team. Um and obviously himself. And we managed to get the result the next day against Motherwell one 0 but it was he was gone within a few days. So it was a very strange, strange time in my career. Amazing to to say you've captain Rangers, of course. Of course, has. Was, was it deserved? Probably not. But you know, to still say, obviously, really proud of that, proud of that fact. But it was huge pressure on you know myself at that time, and and the team, as I say, and, and just the whole thing. And um, like I say, he was gone a few days later. I think it was. When it happened, did you end up having a chat with Barry Ferguson at all, or was it one of those things where you just it wasn't spoken about? Yeah, so Bass had came back into the change room, so we were, obviously he was back in the change room just speaking to the boys, telling everyone what had happened, and everyone's obviously in disbelief, and then obviously I got called in and I came back out, and there was probably more disbelief then at that point again, because obviously he told me that I was captain, so I'd sort of said that, and and obviously Baz was no no problem at all, he said, oh, listen, just good luck and all the best and that with it, so there was no... Um, no maliciousness between us at all. It was, it was more just a, a very strange situation for everyone. I think yeah. to under, to get their head around. So you've had to walk back in that change room and tell all the boys that you're the new captain. Mm. Tell them all you're hitting the penalties. Not for now on. No, I remember that Murrowville game because um, we were only playing too well anyway. So Murrowville was always a, like a slog in it, and they used to have a terrible pitch, especially in the winter. Yeah. And I remember Boyd scoring a penalty and holding up with six fingers. Was, yeah. was anything said to him after the game? Was, was Paul going aware of that? Was, was, was he kind of fragile by going as well, Chris Boyd? Oh, I think I don't think they were the best of mates. To be honest, I think if um, you know if you're doing that in defence of your captain, then I think yeah, I don't know if Le Guin has seen it, but definitely I don't think as a as a coach you'd be particularly happy if you'd done it yourself and somebody done that against you. But fair play, boy, that's his that's his opinion, and he's he's got every right to express it. So 
it was um, yeah, a very strange situation that whole few days there. And during, just before we move on, during his time there as well, obviously fell uh, uh, Phil Bardsley and Fernando Rickson as well. So when it gets to uh, with Barry Ferguson, you start to think, well, who, who's the problem here? The common denominator is Paul Gwynn, surely. Like, I mean, he's, he was only there three, four months, was he? I thought, and he's uh, sorry, yeah. it was almost Christmas time. Six, made it to, six, so six I, months, yeah, I, yeah, six yeah. months. So. And he's, he's fell out with all his players, so I mean, obviously the writing was on the wall for him, and he goes, he eventually goes. Were the players relieved when he went? Um, listen, it wasn't a particularly great time because you're not winning. You know, we're not winning every week, and obviously at a club at Rangers, you want to be winning every week and challenging. We weren't doing particularly amazing. We were up there, but not really firing on all cylinders. There, like every club. There'll be a squad of twenty-five players. You'll you probably get half of them are happy and half of them are not when someone goes because obviously some are playing, some aren't. Some see it as a clean, you know, a clean slate and a chance to get back in the team. And other ones who are favourites or have been playing all the time will think, oh, well, I've got to go again, sort of thing. So I think it's the same with any manager when they go, mate. To be honest. Well, he's he obviously goes and Walter Smith comes back. Um, obviously, Walter Smith is just a he's a god at the club when he's. And I, I, I love I, similar to Jimmy Bell. I love listening to stories um, of players. Probably, probably the best stories listening to players is the ones that when he's giving somebody a telling off and they're terrified him. Um, I listened to Kevin Thompson before talk about after the Kaunas game. They'll even go far back as Gaza half time in the League Cup final against Hearts. He's, I think he says he picked him up by the throat. Um, yeah. did, did you ever see any any good ones that we've maybe not heard with, with Walter Smith? Um, him getting ripped into somebody or any anything like that. Not so much when I was there, because I wasn't there for that long when Walter came in. Um, and I think he came in at sort of an ideal time to sort of pick the squad up and inject a bit of confidence and a bit of good feeling back in the squad. So I think, you know, the way he approached it was brilliant. He sort of realised that and he knew he had to sort of, you know, get everyone on side, get everyone enjoying themselves again and, and get the boys back playing to their, to their capability. And he was, he was brilliant for that time he was there. And I got nothing but respect for him. He was... Brand new with me, the whole captain situation. You know, obviously he was going to make Barry captain again, which made sense totally. But he was fully respectful of me. I had such a good relationship with him. Um, got nothing but the most respect from you know as a, as a man. He'd been, you know, the Scotland manager when I was played a couple of times. So you know, he's I had a I knew him anyway. I knew Coisley obviously as well. So um, there was a a relationship there already based on respect, and I had, you know none but good words to say about him. Brilliant. Um, what I was going to ask you about Walter there. Um, when when you left, sorry, before you left and before Walter came in, sorry. Um, just touching on the, the Barry Ferguson thing again. Um, did uh, was it was was it when Barry came back that Barry spoke to you about that situation, or did um was it immediately after you were made captain, like he's maybe get touched in a day or so, or was it just kind of radio silence for him? No, it was, it was, that's what I mean. Like, it was basically came back into the dressing room straight after being told, and it was then we just said, "Listen, he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, obviously, he's going to do, do your best, sort of thing." It was basically just then, and then, then he wasn't involved because obviously, like Gwen was still there, and then like Gwen leaves, and then Barry comes back into the fold, and then pretty much immediately, Walter makes him captain again for the next mm-hmm. game against the United at home. So it was all it was all very quick, and it was pretty much brushed under the carpet straight away. You know? right. Yeah. When did you start to realise that maybe the, your career at Rangers was 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 over, Gavin? Like, what, was a, did you get um, a con- uh, contact from another club? Did you feel as though it was maybe time to move on? What was what mm. was the what was the feelings around there? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I'd been there for obviously three and a half years. I had two years 
two calendar years I missed through injury, right. which was a disaster, obviously, because um, obviously I went to Rangers to try and win trophies and you know really enjoy the peak of my career. Um, but it wasn't to be with injuries and stuff, and that was super frustrating. Um, and then came to the summer 2007, it would have been, and I had... So I'd spoken, spoken to Walter, obviously Walter knew I was out of contract. Um, he was, you know, more than willing to keep me on and be part of the squad and, and give us another year. Um, but I sort of said, listen, you know, I want to, I probably just need a clean break. I need somewhere, I just need to go and get a bit of freshness. You know, I'd been in Scotland for a long time and I had opportunities to go to England or the Championship in England and... I just made that decision. I said, listen, I'd really appreciate everything you've done and, and the opportunity to maybe stay, but you know, if I'm not not going to be number one midfielder here then or certainly playing every week, then I want to just go and play every week. And you know, I was at that stage, I'd missed a lot of games. So it was more about that decision in my mind, just to just to get a bit of freshness and, and move away, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And obviously you go to Cardiff, um, Norwich Winchester, but you obviously chose Cardiff. You go you go to Cardiff and uh, I mean there's yeah, I mean, it seemed to be looking, on your, looking back on your career. It just seemed to be a Rangers issue when you were in your injuries because you, you actually played a hell of a lot of games at Cardiff and yeah. everywhere else. It was just a, a, you were unlucky at Rangers, but you, mm. you get to Cardiff. It's a standard in training games much different. I know you hear some people say it is much different, and others go there's not much of a difference. And what, what, what did you find? Oh, we have, to be fair, we had some top players at Cardiff as well, mate. Because well, the I first, touch uh, on that first player, we had uh, Jimmy Floyd, we had Robbie Fowler, wow. Trevor Sinclair, we had you know Steve Bell who played League Champions League. We had some top top players. You know what I would say is probably you know Rangers had probably more, you know a majority more. But in saying that, you know we had some top top players at Cardiff as well. So it was um, it was great to, to continue at that sort of standard. You know, like you said, I had lots of injuries at Rangers. Unfortunately, it just, it just seemed to be the only place I was injured in my career. I played. 55 games my first year at Cardiff, the first year away from, from Rangers. So, you know, it was it was good for me personally to get away and a bit of freshness, as I say, and, and play all these games. But um, it was disappointing, obviously, the way it happened at Rangers. I didn't get to really enjoy my career there as much as what I could have and what I wanted to when I was there, you know. Who, who was the best player that you would reckon, out of the players that you've just mentioned there, uh, Gavin, uh, that you, you felt as though, even though some may have also been... Uh, in the latter end of their career, was there someone that you thought this guy is just on a different different level? Robbie Fowler's finishing and training was was <sighs> ridiculous. You know, just like everything he touched just went in, and he just had that knack of scoring goals. Great guy, like proper down to earth. One of the boys, top top boy, and um, Trevor Sinclair was a top player as well. Obviously played so many games and played England as well. So they were really good. You know, some of the boys that were there. You know, um, Steve McPhail, as I say, I mentioned he was my midfield partner. Mm. He was a really good player and we complimented each other really well. Aaron Ramsey was he's the best young player I've seen by a mile. Um, he was there in that first year I was there at Cardiff as well. So, um, yeah, there were some, some top players there. I've got a question. You know, Robbie Fowler actually played at Perth Glory for, and I think it was uh, Northern, North, North Queensland Fury. As yeah. well, is that right? uh, yeah, yeah. So I knew he was at Glory. I knew he was there. I yeah. But my actual question is, and a bit of a left field one. I've asked the boys this one before. <laughs> Gav, ever heard a name cooler in football than Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he was. Was he Jimmy, as cool uh, as his name? <laughs> Jimmy was. Um, Jimmy was cool. Jimmy was the biggest morning face person ever. Oh, like, wow. wow. He? So he's like with, Stevie. You'd played with Barry Ferguson or it could have been that bad. <laughs> to be fair, Jimmy would have been up there. Like, yeah. um, there was one, there was a game, at, I was nearly fighting with him at Sheffield United. I don't know why I was nearly fighting with him because he was <laughs> kicking my head in. But he was, um, 
we'd, we were 3-1 up at Sheffield United. I'd scored, and then I think I'd gave the ball away, like in the opposition half, near the box, and there was like 20 passes, and then they, and then they scored, so they got it back to 3-2, and then it was 3-all. So at the end of the game, he's, he's digging me out. I was thinking, Jimmy, there was about 20 passes after I gave the ball away before the balls went in the back of the net, and it just sort of escalated, and then... Um, we ended up like squaring up to each other, and then <laughs> thankfully Dave Jones just sat us both down and just told us to shut up because Jimmy would have kicked my head in. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about cool cat. Jimmy Foy yeah. great yeah. player, wasn't he? Jimmy Foy I know. What about, what about uh, Bellamy? You had Bellamy there, didn't you? Yeah, Bellamy so, towards the end of his career. Yeah, he was towards <laughs> the end of my career at Cardiff. The last year I was there, he came. I think he came on loan to begin with before they signed him. Um, top pro, top player. You know, really looked after himself. One of the best professional players I've ever seen, and obviously technically, technically great. And he was, um, he was very good for Cardiff when I was there. Yeah. I'm dying to, I'm dying to talk to you, Gary, about the, the FA Cup final um, mm. at Portsmouth. Yeah, and I, I think I mentioned earlier. In hindsight, you don't realise sometimes like how good. Like I said earlier about Kenija, and you kind of look back and you realise mm. how, how good he was, how how big a deal it was at the time. That Portsmouth team were unbelievable. I looked at the yeah. starting eleven. Team, and it's ridiculous. You've, it um, I mean, Canu, uh, Cranshaw, Pedro Mendes, two legends, by the way. What's that? Diara. Diara. Diara, yeah. Glenn oh, Johnson, Papa. David Johnson, Sol Campbell. Papa Bobadiop. Papa Bobadiop. Sol Campbell. Yeah. Barros, Milan Barros. <laughs> Milan Barros is there. That's unbelievable. Glenn Johnson. Yeah, top, top team. Yeah, like James. Seeing see during that game, Gav, who, who gave. Who, who, do you remember who you were up against, like. Personally, like, yeah, it's been me and Steve McPhail up against the three boys in the midfield. So, Cranchard, Diara, and Mendes. <laughs> oh, I can remember in the game, like, so I was thinking, right, I'm going to smash somebody early doors to, to try and make my, make my mark. So, aye, aye, aye. The chance, um, I, I smashed Cranchard early doors, and he just he just got up because he, he was solid as well as a unit. And um, he just says, he basically just says, well, why don't you just go away and play rugby? And I was like, oh, oh right, mate, there wow. we go. <laughs> so, oh, no. You got, you're in his head at that point in time. Well, the thing like, sounds like my social uh, social league strategy, to be honest. Well, you, you do say that every time. You, ta- you tackle the Europeans like that and they've got a terrible part, haven't they? Like that. If you've you done a Glaswegian like that, you, you'd, get a bit of, you'd get a bit better verbal than that, wouldn't you? Why don't you <laughs> yeah, play no, rugby? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, he just basically brushed it off and I was like, all right, okay, here we go. And it was it? 90, it was a full house, it was 90,000. 90,000 at Wembley. 90, yeah. Well, That's obviously, you know, playing at Ibrox and at Celtic Park and experience, you know, is, is there a, I know it's obviously more, but is that a, yeah, much what's bigger better? difference? What's, um, what's bigger? What's better? Old firm or the FA Cup? No, oh, awesome. Old firm is huge. To be involved in that is amazing. Yeah. Obviously, I've been lucky enough to play in Scottish Cup final, FA Cup final um, as well. I think you were touched on it before about nervousness. You know, I think it was only two games in my whole career that I got really nervous. Well, not really nervous, but nervous. And then one would have been the FA Cup final just because of the it's sort iconic, of magnitude yeah. of the it's game. Iconic. Like 92,000 people worldwide, you know, viewing global audience and you know it was a, a huge occasion so that would have been one that would have been slight butterflies for it the thing was all the fans were in early doors so like even in the warm-up the whole place was jumping like it was bouncing before the game like so it was a proper proper game and proper occasion to be involved in so you know you look back on and games like that and be thankful obviously that you you played in them but you know, lost both the Scottish Cup final one nil and the FA Cup final one nil. So frustration as well. Ah, it's heartbreaking. And about what you say that that, that FA Cup is a uh, iconic that, that competition, that stadium as well. It's just it's it's in the folklore of uh, English 
English football history. It's just um, yeah. to win that would have been magic in front of ninety thousand at Wembley. I can relate. And, uh, <laughs> well, I've lost two two uh, cup finals. In, in front of, of, Gavin, in front of I feel, I feel your pain, Gavin. In front of 23 people, though. <laughs> yeah. A bit of a difference, isn't it? Well, you know. My <laughs> missus was there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, um, obviously, you, the, the Cardiff went to a playoff final as well. Yeah, but, um, you were injured that season, huh? I, I think you took it. Was it the ankle? Yeah, I started to tear my ankle just in the last couple of weeks of the season, yeah. So I played most of the season, but then just missed the, the, the final. But was that was was that one of the most? Because like you say, you played in the Scottish Cup final, you played in the FA Cup final. That would have been a good one to get into as well, wouldn't it? The, the, the Championship final. Would that? I mean, would you rank that up beside the FA Cup final? Especially, especially if you went on to win that. I mean, it, you, you I see, so, the, yeah. you see the big deal they made about these games. Yeah, you know, in terms of occasion, it's definitely up there. You know, playing in Scottish Cup final, FA Cup final. Playoff final, you know, and with the the rewards and the prize that come with that, you know, and mm. sitting in the stand, you know, it, it snapped a tendon in my ankle just before it, so I was devastated. Obviously, couldn't play and help the boys, um, and obviously we never managed to get over the line. But it was um, a huge, again, a huge, huge occasion to be involved in, and you know, you, you're hoping that you can go up to the Premiership and what we've been trying to do for the whole time I was there in the four years at Cardiff, I was FA Cup final first year, playoffs. Uh, playoff final, playoff semi-final, and missed out the playoffs by a goal. Oh. So we're always up there, really challenging to get to that next level. And you know, eventually they, they managed to get up to the to the Premiership, um, which is good. But it just wasn't me when I was there, and it was frustrating. Mm. When you were playing for Cardiff, was there, and obviously you're playing, you know, week in week out, and you're obviously getting to cup finals and doing well, Gavin. But was there any like? Um, uh, Conversations with any other teams that were possibly maybe wanting to bring you over when you were actually, you know, during your contract. I don't mean at the tail end of the the, the, the contract, but like during the the years were there. Yeah, so it was, it was a bit of a. There was a one. There's probably one move that I turned down that I regret a bit, and it was more to do with family reasons. To be honest, you know, we'd had the twins. Right. I've got twins who were born in 2008, the year we got to the final. Um, so with the young family, just myself and, and the, the missus and the, and the twins down in down in Cardiff ourselves. Obviously, I'm from Scotland. Mum, this yep. is from Australia, so we're, we're just there ourselves. And yep. had the chance to go on loan um, right. to Leeds. Okay, um, wow! But it was only it was a year deal, so it was hard to sort of move the whole family. You know, mm-hmm. if it was only going to be that year, and I'd said like, if we make it permanent, then 100 percent I'll come come tomorrow. You know what I mean, sort of thing. But I think they'd sort of used up their budget, so it was only going to be able to do it on a loan and. It was just too difficult to move, so right. I ended up staying at staying at Cardiff for that last year, and it was probably it was the wrong decision career-wise because the chance to go to Leeds and, and be wanted by Leeds and, and play course. there would have been amazing. But it was more just due down to family reasons, to be honest. That I didn't do it, and um, that's one thing you regret. But that's that's that is what it is. You know, right. you got to look after your family first as well. Do, do you remember who was playing for Leeds at that time? Gavin, just you know, off the top of your head. I don't, to be honest. I don't. I don't was know. It, I don't know who it, 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 it would have been when. Um, well, I'm just trying to think what division they were in. It would have been championship. 2010, okay, championship. 2011, because yeah, yeah. I mean, regard, regardless who was in the team, I mean, when you always look back, I mean, I'm, I, I'm 36, so you know, I, when I look back and you're watching match today and stuff like that, I was like 14, 15 when. You know, Leeds United were, were doing really well in the Champions League and stuff, and you can just see that you know, no matter what sort of team they put out, the fans just Leeds are massive. They, they, the they, they just they mental. just take they just take to you. And you meet a lot of actually Leeds fans out here who are they're a bit 
a bit like Celtic and Rangers fans. They just they just Aye. absolutely love it. So mm. it would have been regardless of who was actually playing. It would have been obviously a tremendous move, and you know, it would have been probably a very good uh, experience as well. Definitely. I mean, they're a huge club, and you know, look back, and that's one. That's probably one regret I've got in my career, just not not ah, making right, that okay. happen. But yeah, it's, it's as I said, family comes first, unfortunately. All ah, right. Okay. And then what? What after Cardiff? That was a. Uh, what was the uh, what was the the plans? What what, what age were you when you left Cardiff? Um, would have been so what was that two thousand and eleven? Uh, would have been about thirty three, maybe thirty three. Yeah, okay, 34. okay. So, yeah. did you have any plans of um, you know, obviously moving back up to Scotland? Was there an idea? Of, have I got a few more years left? Am I going to maybe do some coaching badges and stuff? And yeah, I mean, I'd been doing my coaching badges throughout my career, so I'd, I'd already sort of got them in the bag and, and didn't know if that was something I was going to do, but. I'd went to, so the, the deal sort of came at an end. I'd been at Cardiff for four years. Um, it's always strange because Dave Jones was the one that let me go, but then the next minute he was sacked. So I don't know how that how that worked. But anyway, um, we'll, we'll let that lie. But yeah. um, And then Malky came in and obviously done well with the team. Um, and I, he let me train. You know, I was still training, just sort of working out what the next move was going to be, whether it was going to be down in England or, you know, stay down there in, in the divisions or, or just see what happens. And I was close to going to Aberdeen at that point, but then, Craig Brown used all his budget and then it got to maybe September, October time and Barry Smith, who was now manager at Dundee, says, just come and play, like come and play for a few games to January, see how you go and then, you know, put yourself in the shop window and it got to the point I was like, you know what, let's let's do that and it was the best thing I've ever done, I had the best time ever, I played 12 games, scored four goals, loved playing with the team, we were second bottom when I joined, we were second top when I finished, we got through the Scottish Cup, you know, against Kilmarnock and then I joined Aberdeen in, in the January. I'd sort of had a, a gentleman's agreement with Barry that if a team from the top division came in, that Fantastic. you know I could speak to them and, and go, you know, if I wanted. So it was between Hibs and Aberdeen, um, and obviously being from Aberdeen and it being close to happening before and getting to take my kids home to my hometown, of course, of course. be close to my family, it just made much made a lot of sense, you know. And and that must have been so exciting for you because obviously you're an Aberdeen fan, so you know, mm. yep. You know, maybe come full circle. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're obviously you know at the tail end of your career, and you're going to Aberdeen at a, a point where you've got you know tons of experience and a lot of uh, a lot of um, you know um, miles under the belt. Let's just say to to go ahead and and, and maybe give your you know last few years at, at Aberdeen. That must have been yeah. uh, that must have been good. And obviously, when you were at Aberdeen, um, you you did score at Celtic Park. <laughs> Uh, scored it. This is where I came in. Against Celtic. <laughs> What's that? Uh, wasn't it? It's, it's what, I remember it's, it's seen on YouTube. I think it was at Petodgy, not the game the goal against Celtic. Right, I see, Aye. I see. Aye. Yeah, on the notes, Gav, it says Celtic Park. That's um, Trent's fault, that one. Okay, no, I was, I'm sure uh, it was at Petodgy. It was at yeah. Petodgy. I watched that. I seen it. I seen it on That's YouTube. the reason why I never saw it. I was working that day. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I didn't um, see it, yeah, so obviously scoring. Getting to score for Aberdeen was great and playing a lot of games there was good. Didn't do particularly well as a, as a club at that point, but again, it was more. There's a bigger picture there for me as well, as I say, taking my family home and, and getting being close to my family, because we always knew we were going to emigrate to Australia. It was it was the ideal timing, and it worked really well. And, and finally getting to to play for them, you know, after being close a few times and being grown up there as a kid was it just made sense to yeah, go there for sure. Of course, I obviously you, you end up back at Dundee after having because mm. uh, Derry McInnes comes in, and um, obviously a few players go, and you're one of them. You end up. Um, Back at Dundee under uh, John Brown, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yep. In fact, when you went back to when, at that time, Dundee had um, Willie Dyer 
I don't remember yes. Wally Dyer. Wally Dyer's an old pal. I mean, I was in his classes. Oh, the legend. He's for Drum Chapel as well, and I'm for Drum Chapel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he actually yeah. stayed, stayed in the corner for me. Yeah, Wally. In fact, just before I moved to Surrey, I actually bumped into him in the shop, and I was, I was asking him how his stuff at Dundee was going. He was, he told me he was, he was, he was out, and he had a, a broken jaw. And he was out. That's right, I remember because, that, yeah. Because he was, he was, he was in some sort of nightclub thing yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. He was with his mates, and I was like, "Oh, well, hey, man." But <laughs> I, I think that was the last time I actually spoke to him. Last time I seen him, it was probably one of the last times in Scotland as well. Actually, it was that long ago. Um, but I've heard, a, I've heard a few people. Um, I, had, I actually heard um, other podcasts mention his name once or twice. Just saying he was, he was a bit a, bit a winny. But I always known he was a quiet boy. Uh, well, he's a good boy. He just, uh, I think he's just, he's, you know, he's. I really enjoyed playing with him. I thought he was a top player. I thought he'd done really well the years, the year I was at Dundee. He was our left back every all game, all season basically. I played for a few big obviously. clubs, probably. Yeah, oh, and we obviously got promoted. But um, yeah, no. So the Rangers connection strange. And obviously, Derek McInnes came in at Aberdeen, and I can understand why he was, you know, he was letting boys go. He was out of contract, um, and he wanted to put his own stamp in the squad. But I had a top top relationship with him. You know, played every game when he was there. But he was just wanting to do freshen up the team, and I understood that. I was thirty-five at that point, mm-hmm. so I totally take that and take that on board. And, and you know, as I say, I still spoke to him loads after that, and got lots of time for him. He's done done a great job there, and and then obviously John. And at that point, you know, you know, you mentioned about you know coming to Australia. Like when I left Cardiff, when I was at Dundee the first, the second time, sorry, and then before I joined Aberdeen, and then obviously leaving Aberdeen. There's always always at that time you're you're thinking, you know. If I got an opportunity in Australia, it might be the time to go. Um, you know, never nothing really came of it. And then John John Brown phoned me like pretty much an hour after I got released from from Aberdeen. So he must have had some inside knowledge from somewhere. And um, he says, "Come and meet me. You know, I'd love to chat to you about coming back to Dundee and you know, be a captain. You'll be coach of the reserves." And that was a big thing as well because I was doing my coaching. You know, to have the opportunity to do that as well. Um, but to be club captain for Dundee, obviously the club I started at was was big as well, a big a big lure, and especially because the, the club were going for it, they wanted to really get back to the Premier League. So I was thinking, you know, another year um, would be would be you know more than doable. So it was uh, it turned out to be the, a great decision, you know. I obviously because you've been back and won the championship, didn't you? In mm-hmm. Last last season, so it was oh, well, it turns out obviously an excellent move, and it's obviously your mm-hmm. last your your last your last move, obviously before you obviously hang on the boots. So it's, it's a good way to go out, especially being captain, taking uh, Dundee back into the SPL. I suppose you never fancied another crack at it. Thought that was uh, t- time to go. Yeah, no, I mean, I had uh, I actually had an, another year contract because it was in my contract if we got promoted to the Premier League that I would get an automatic year extension. But yeah, like you say, it was just it, was, it couldn't have worked out better. We won it on the last day, you know. Um, similar feeling to to Helicopter Sunday, but you know. I was actually playing and, and club captain and, and really? from a, the club that I started with. So it was, I'd played all the games. I'd been, you know, fit the whole season, never really on the bench, played all the games and felt fit, but just an ideal way to go out. You know, I could have stayed. You could be on the bench, you could get injured. Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know what? And I played, I played in the Premier League, exactly. like 300 games or whatever. So I'd already been there and done it. So it was just like, Ideal way to go out, and and then basically retired retired that day. Basically, just said to told the manager that not that night, but certainly the next few days. I said, "Listen, that's me done. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to go out. Happy to go out like that, you know." Definitely, because yeah, you always run the risk of taking that one more year, and then by First, October, yeah. November, you start to regret it. Thing, it's just no work to it. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it's yeah. a no, Sometimes it's, it's, you're better to go on a high and just just not take the gamble. And that happened that. to you this season, Stevie. Um, did it? Ah, uh, it did. Well, I still got the cup final, didn't I? Well. Still got the cup final. <laughs> anyway, one thing I, I want to talk to you about um, uh, is the Scotland 
Scotland stuff. Mm. You had 14 caps, is that right? 14 caps for Scotland? Yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. You your first against Poland, I see it was a one-all draw. Well, mm. see, when you get, see when you get a phone call for, for your first Scotland cap, who makes a phone call? Who, 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 how do you uh, hear about it first? I think it always comes from your manager. So you basically, the, the club managers get told who's been selected. Mm-hmm. And then and then somebody from the SFA would reach out. I was a bit, it was a bit strange, my Scotland, not strange, but my Scotland, I've never been involved in Scotland at all, as I say, sort of that late developer. Never played schoolboys, 16s, 18s, 20s or whatever. The first time I played for Scotland was the 21s and I think I played six games and I managed to get a couple of goals and mm-hmm. it just, it just kicked on from there really and then obviously got a chance to play for the for the full team and that was obviously for me that's the pinnacle in my career playing for my national team you know uh, overjoyed family must have been overjoyed as well huh? definitely you know and i think one of the proudest moments in my career is actually playing for scotland at home um at hamden at three o'clock on a saturday it was against lithuania darren Darren Fletcher scored a winner against Lithuania at home and I, I know it's only Lithuania but it was just it was just the fact that it's a Scotland qualifier you're playing at home 3 o'clock on a Saturday all your family's there place is bouncing traditional you play the full game and it was just like that's just incredible you know to, to say you've been involved in stuff like that so right. um, that was it was great sorry to bring the mood down mate we're going to go for that high to the uh, yeah. <laughs> the Holland game 6-0 yeah. no, the, uh, the qualifier um, obviously we won the first nil. Uh, sorry, won the first leg, one no teams, but Fadden scores, and then we go to Holland and we get just—I mean, better teams than us have went there and got absolutely battered. Mm. Of course, if it's Holland, just I was looking, I was I was looking the day at the the Holland team, and this is—I'm just telling the boys you know this is just a Holland bench that night, right? You've got Cliver, Seedorf, Waters, Roy Mackay, Iron Robin, and Van Hoydonk <laughs> on the bench, <laughs> on the bench. I, mean, wow. I remember it's, watching it's the game like, like uh, obviously living in Scotland at the time winning the first leg 1-0 the country gets carried away as, as of you course. do it's just it's just like uh, I, I can't I remember the, euphoria. the papers the euphoria the papers mm. are going mental everybody's daring to dream really aren't they um, mm. and then obviously we, we, we go there and get, we, we get battered um, but I mean Obvious questions are going to come up around and just how, how you rem- who you remember playing against and how it was. And, but one thing, when I looked at that subs bench, I thought you were probably, f- I, think, I think Scotland were like 3 or 4 nil down, we like 25, 30 minutes to go or something like that, roughly. Um, still a long way to go in the game. And Holland, are bringing, they brought on Clive and Seedorf. Mm. Um, and you've got to be standing there watching Morris Ross and Stephen Caldwell warm up and just, it must be so demoralising. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, we're, we're in for a t- we've got 30 more minutes of us. Uh, I think uh, I think on the Saturday we, we annoyed them. I think we got the mangy on the Saturday <laughs> yeah, by beating them. Uh, yeah. I wasn't actually I didn't play on the Saturday, so I didn't play in the game at home because I, I had again stupid hamstring injury that was sort of niggling. I and mean, that's kind of round about the same time. It was not long after that that I moved to Rangers and then sort of still had that hamstring injury. So I didn't play that game. But then Christian Daly got booked in that first game, mm. which meant he missed the second game. Mm-hmm. Which meant then Bertie was really pushing me to get back in the team because he obviously he was wanting to play me from the beginning in the in the second game and I trained like the Sunday, the Monday, the Tuesday felt great. Trained at the Amsterdam Arena and was brilliant. Felt great on the the night before the game and then you go into the game and you know, like you say it's like two or three nil down after like thirty minutes and mm. I could feel my hammy but I was like I just can't get off. I just got to keep going, man. Just get grinding through it. But mm. I try to chase Edgar Davids about the pitch that night. And he was. <laughs> He was ridiculous. Was he? Was he? Was uh, he phenomenal, Gavin? Was he? Was he something he, else? 
quality. Like he was at the top of his game that night. To be fair though, they all were. Schneider was amazing. You know, they just as I say, I think we just got we annoyed them on the Saturday and they just set set the markers out on that Wednesday night and then it was a obviously a tough tough result to take and, and tough to, to be involved in after after such a high on the Saturday and, and wanting the, the nation to do well. At the end of the day, we're all fans anyway. Everyone still supports the team whether they are in it or not. You're just lucky that you get a chance to actually play and represent the country. Mm-hmm. So you obviously want to do your best and we obviously let the country down that night and didn't play particularly well. They were great. We were poor. Um, and then even that night, so that was a terrible day because I actually came off the pitch and then got told by a couple of the reporters that Dundee were in administration. That's when I first <laughs> wow. found out that night. Wow. So it was just like, wow. oh my God, wow. <laughs> it's the worst night ever. Gavin, you're obviously an international, you're playing in an international for your country, so you're uh, a star in, in your own right. But were you a little bit starstruck in that game? It, 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 you know, you're playing against people that are on the cover of, you know, the FIFA. Uh, the EA Sports this this guy I'm pretty sure he was on the cover of FIFA right are you sitting there looking at the fellow going I can't believe we're playing against this guy yeah I've I've felt like that a few times actually (laughs) you know there's been games I've I've been lucky enough to play against some phenomenal players that you just think like you can just see that there's so much levels above you know a normal player Mm -hmm. you know a standard sort of player and I've had that a few times. And a normal player for you is a, you know, is a professional footballer playing yeah. in, you know. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. You basically, so I've, I've been, I've been lucky enough to sort of play against like Fabregas. Obviously, in the midfield, you know, I played against Fabregas. Played against two guy when he was at Rangers was an excellent player. Um, you know, uh, David's obviously on that night. There's been I played against Modric, who was outrageous, outrageously Unbelievable. good. Oh, oh man, Sol Campbell, Kanu, these guys are out and up stars, yeah, man. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant player. So it's, it's it's amazing to see it. It's difficult to play against, obviously. You've got you a know. front row seat, you know, basically, yeah. <laughs> and especially when they're on fire, it's, it's difficult. When they're on, when their tails are up and they're and they're angry and ready to to really show you a lesson, then it's it's really difficult. But yeah, again, to be able to say you played against these is... Yeah, what a... You earned that privilege there. Well, I I can tell you right now, Gavin, there's an exclusive. Uh, There was a podcast done in Croatia and Luka Modric is telling two guys for Croatia that he couldn't believe that he was playing against Gavin May. So I heard that. Don't don't worry, mate. It's 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 mutual. It's definitely. But um, who would you say was the best player you played against? I know there's many and you've got probably a list but who would you say was the player that you thought this guy is just the best Modric is the one honestly I, I couldn't Fantastic. get near him like it was just so like his centre gravity his movement his touch the way he moved the ball he was yeah he was a very difficult opponent two guy when he was at Rangers when I was young and I was yeah. coming through and I played against two guy at Rangers I was like wow this guy's amazing man Alberts you know Van Bronckhorst when he was at Rangers the midfielders I played against I when they were there they were, they were phenomenal two like, guys couldn't get in the Rangers level. team on a regular it's crazy what's that two guys couldn't even get in the team as a regular at Rangers that's so strong that Honestly, I he was so good when I played against them you know and, and that's just like direct opponents you know you play against them um, you get to see obviously top players I played against lucky to play against like Drogba and wow. you, know, wow. you know these top top players and it's it's amazing to see them um, amazing to see the, the standards that they get to every week, and that's why they're, they're top professionals and top players. So it's uh, it's been good to to pit your wits against them, but it's, it's obviously difficult as well. Before we wrap it, Gavin, um, I just wanted to, if you get any souvenirs for these games, like any any uh, do you get any other players' shirts that you've still got? Yeah, for these yeah, yeah, I've still got. I got David's top that night against Holland. He was he was great. He you know I asked him for it after the game, and he made sure I got it. Is he it bone driving. He gave you. <laughs> 
he didn't even he wasn't even sweating. Huh? It was me, it was absolutely sweating. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've got some obviously some of the other players. Uh, Sam and Nasri Arsenal got his top we've got Swartzer with the Australian connection when he was at Middlesbrough so Fantastic. yeah I've got a few I've got a few yeah. um, and when you were obviously in the Scotland setup, uh, I'm right in saying Tommy Burns was, was part yes. of that as well yeah. any any Tommy Burns story he's obviously been a Celtic fan he's uh, he is the reason why I'm a, a Celtic supporter uh, that is <laughs> genuinely uh, the reason why but any stories from, from, from when, when Tommy was there Gavin yeah, I mean, I think you can sort of hear when anyone talks about Tommy, just their respect and admiration for him. Yeah. I'm no different. You know, he, he treated us great when we were in the squad. You know, obviously myself and Big Lee Wilkie were coming from Dundee, so not not big clubs and not huge names, but total respect that he gave us. Um, I can remember, we played against Romania. It was actually the night John Kennedy done his knee. Um, John Kennedy had been flying for Celtic, and then he, he was played, he'd been, he played against, obviously played against Rangers, he played against Barcelona, and he was on fire. And then there was one time in training, he, he put one right in the top corner. It was about 25 minutes still to go training, and Tommy just canned the training. He said, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Big John put him in the top bend, that's enough, let's do it. So we just, we stopped training. Oh, <laughs> and, um, fantastic. Yeah, he was brilliant. He was just, he was a really funny guy as well. And yeah, obviously, I think I'm... I remember one of the I remember one of the stories that was uh, told when uh, Tommy would be sleeping in the corner when Walter was uh, doing, <laughs> a, doing a team talk and um, uh, just fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Um, I think um, obviously before we we go, Gavin, we, we want to obviously say thank you, you know, so much for for coming on. It's obviously a different um, time over in, in Sydney compared to Perth, so it's a bit more later for yourself. Um, what a life. Hey? It's a yeah tremendous life. So we we really want to you know make it known that um, we really appreciate you doing this. Um, hopefully we can we can do it again. But Stevie did ask me a question earlier on uh, that would we be invited to your house if we were ever in? <laughs> uh, he didn't he didn't want to, he didn't want to ask you, Gavin. Uh, but I, I thought I would do the right thing. Uh, are we getting invited to a barbecue? Of course, Fantastic, fantastic. Just before we do go, uh, Gav. Um, Damien, because Trent's kicked me under the table here. He wants to go home and watch Love Island. Mm. Damien, a favour, mate. Can you follow Chris on Instagram? Because he followed you a few days ago and he was, he was telling me, he's not even follow me back. Did he follow you? That is absolutely fantastic. Me and Gav are best mates on Instagram. I know, I cannot believe so, you've done uh, me. Oh, that's amazing. Gav, like Chris says, we really appreciate me. We don't take your time for granted and I didn't expect you to sit as long as you have and be as good as you have. I don't uh, think you had a choice, boys. It's the same know, life I've got every week. I know, we just sit and we can talk, we can talk. I could probably date for another few hours, mate, but it was amazing, mate. Uh, loved it and uh, aye, thanks again mate ah, thanks thanks for having us on and all the best with the rest of the podcast no, thank, you, thank you so much Gavin cheers see you Gavin Bye. ciao